You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. But this is taking forever. Shrek and ain't no in-flight movie or nothing. The kingdom of far, far away, donkey. That's where we're going. Far, far away. All right, all right, I get it. I'm just so darn bored. Well... Find a way to entertain yourself. What is up, friends? Welcome back to the Writer's Block Podcast. I'm part one of one. I'm going to say I'm half of one here Mm -hmm. um, because it is not one without the other. I'm Jess Navarez, your half host here on the Writer's Block, joined by Brandon Laurie. As always, it is just us two today. No special guests because, Brandon, the, the news cycle is just real slow. It's that time. We were just talking about it. It's pre-draft. There's not much going on at the moment, but we still have plenty to talk about. Somehow, some way, we are going to give you the Cowboys content that you know you need ahead of the draft because there's still – some stuff going on. Brandon, how was your week since the last time we talked? Anything new, anything exciting, any life updates here uh, that we need to know about? Yeah, really nothing. I mean, I'm sure that you'll have plenty to talk about because you had, you know, your Taylor Swift weekend, which looked phenomenal. I saw a bunch of highlights, a lot of great videos. Of course, your seats were phenomenal. Being that close to a superstar is always really cool. But yeah, no updates. And, you know, I titled this episode Into the Void of the Offseason because that's really where we are right now, where there isn't much going on. Uh, there's not a lot of updates. Uh, of course, Hankins was signed um, earlier in the week or before the weekend. So, you know, people have already covered that at nauseum. I wrote an article about it that I had in the can since March 21st. So I was happy that that was able to come out. Um, actually, I did appear on UK Cowboys, uh, which are good friends, Mike Poland and then Paul Stewart. Uh, they have it. Uh, those guys are so smart. So if anybody wants to go They're check amazing. them out, yes. it, it was it was such a great time. Their show is very relaxed. They have like intro music and all these different you know, sounds and stuff. So it's very well produced. They do such a great job. So go check those guys out. Of course, I do a weekly mailbag with Mike. So you get to read his work as well at blogging the boys, but yeah, it was a good week, but I, I'm very more interested in about how the Taylor Swift concert was and the Taylor Swift experience in general for you. Well, I know the blog and the boys audience is probably not the target audience for this conversation. <laughs> you never know. Um, if you're a Swifty out there and you're listening to this, you already know. I love that so, so much for you. If you're not, I will convert you and I just won't stop. Like you just kind of don't have a choice. Uh, at that point. But it was honestly the best weekend of my entire life. I don't think any day in my life will ever compare to that weekend. Um, Seeing Taylor Swift was probably number one of my artists to see for years. I mean, people always ask me, you know, why are you a Taylor Swift fan? I've listened to her since I was 14, 13 years old. And it feels like I've grown up with her. So to finally see her, uh, we were row two on the second night that I went and see her up and close it was like oh my goodness she's real she's there she looks amazing she sounds amazing it was really fun um the audience was 
extremely amazing. And I made a lot of friends this week. So I absolutely love making new friends. You know, I don't stop talking. And then you add Taylor Swift in the mix. We were talking nonstop about Taylor Swift. It was amazing. Um, best weekend of my life, I'm going to just say, and that is not being dramatic. It was my Met Gala and Super Bowl mixed all in one. And it's really cool too, I think, to see concerts like that at AT&T Stadium because it ties in my two loves together, right? You've had Taylor Swift right here. You have a cowboy star right here. I mean, what more could I want in my entire life? So it was the best weekend. There are a few questions uh, and actually a couple of statements. One, um, that experience sounds awesome. Like the outfits, everybody was dressed up. Not only, you know, you had a couple of themed outfits for the weekend, but uh, there were a bunch of other people that I saw, you know, that were dressed up. And I, was, I, I didn't, I, I remember I sent you a text. I was like, I didn't understand that it was almost like a Mardi Gras, like you said, like a gala for her, which is awesome. Um, but also shout out to you doing the nosebleed section on the first night, like a little farther away. And then second row, the second day. Cause I think if it was reversed, you would have been wishing you were down in the second row. I would have been so sad. And for me, her show is such a production. I had to see the entire stage first and then being up close, you can't really see what's going on on the stage other than her and the dancers and all of that. And the big prop pieces that she has coming out. But um, it was amazing. And yeah, I mean, it was the era's tour. So you're talking 10 albums worth of costumes and people are so creative. I mean, they were tying their outfits into lyrics from the last 10 albums. And, and so it was, it was just incredible. And not even just that, just references and appearances that she's made and music videos. I mean, it was a Swifties dream. So I feel like I'm in that post concert depression now i don't know if you've ever had that where yeah you like have this build up to see something so bad and then it's done you're like well now what what am i now what am i doing so um if i can get more tickets to see her somewhere else i may just do that uh, my concert for me that's like that similar experience was when i first went to go see and i know this is uh for a lot of people a band that they don't like at all but i love nickelback nickelback is the, the band the that my i grew up on and they actually got us into playing music for people that don't know i'm a triplet we were in a band uh almost like the hansen brothers and jonas brothers but better that's like sort of the elevator pitch for us but um that that concert is the very similar thing of what you're talking about where it's it's a great experience it gets you motivated into not only listening to more music from the artist but also other artists in general you meet a bunch of people of course we went when we were 12 so that was a very very uh strange experience for us an eye-opening experience but a, a great one nonetheless and the other thing i wanted to bring up is uh, the curtains made an appearance at AT&T Stadium, which I, uh, people, I, I yes. saw the picture floating around and to tie it back to the Cowboys, that's the one thing everybody talks about. Like, why doesn't, you know, owner Jerry Jones put up the curtains during an afternoon game where the sun's shining through and people think that these curtains don't exist. Nope, they, they exist. And you mentioned it to me one time. Yeah. And it's like, no, they actually, it's like they aren't Bigfoot. They actually do exist. Yeah, you can see them. Every concert I've been to at AT&T Stadium, they're there. So they're there for events and, and concerts, just not Cowboys games. And um, we don't know why. That's just what it is. But, yeah, we we did see the curtains. They are there. They are real. Um, they are not like UFOs. You can take picture evidence. They're actually real. They're not Photoshopped. Um, they're there. But, yeah, absolutely 10 out of 10 would highly recommend, obviously, going to an event at AT&T Stadium at any point. I think it's just the best stadium to see artists, events, games that you love to see. So if you haven't been, Brandon, uh, you definitely need to find time to go. But 
enough about my Taylor Swift weekend because I could literally use this entire podcast to talk about it. Like I will break down the set list and all of that. I don't want to do that to you guys because I've done it to everybody else up until this point. So let's move on because, again, we are still breaking down the 2023 NFL draft, which is only 23 days away uh, when we're recording this. So it'll be 22 days when you're actually listening to this. So if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what does because that means our offseason is technically just rolling on by. But let's start with Dallas Day because that took place last week and this is just basically a day where local college players can work out for the Cowboys, show them what they got, show them all the good stuff. Um, and I think this is just a very cool and unique opportunity that the Cowboys do specifically for these guys. So let's talk about some of the names that were mentioned. Again, things have been kind of under wraps when it comes to Dallas Day um, as far as the Cowboys side of things. So just your weekly reminder to watch your sources, get reliable sources, and just know um, who to follow for all your Cowboys news. So According to Kelvin Watkins, he went to a TCU day where they had uh, players that were talking to media. And at that point, both him and James Slater threw out a few names um, of TCU players that were planning to make a visit. Again, do we know if they made the visit? We don't know because, like I just said, things are very under wraps. So at that point, he said that quarterback Max Duggan was set to make a visit. Offensive lineman Alan Alley, who is from Fort Worth, uh, cornerback Travius Hodges, Tomlinson, that is such a long name. But <laughs> hey, hey, kudos to you for getting through that one. That one is oh, a very man. tough name. When I was trying to record that for the daily, I, I even stumbled on that. But he was another one, so cornerback there, and then wide receiver Quentin Johnston, um, also mentioned there. And then he also did mention a couple of guys that were not from TCU. He said Oklahoma State defensive end Tyler Lacey, and then let's see, I have LSU defensive tackle Jaliquin Roy. And I hope I said that correctly. And then you go on because, like I said, there's just no confirming as of right now who was at Dallas Day. So Sports Illustrated also put out uh, a report saying that these guys could be local enough to attend if, you know, they wanted to do so and if they were uh, invited to go to Dallas Day. But again, I didn't see any reports that actually confirmed that these guys did go. So just some names to throw out there that they were, quote unquote, local enough. Uh, cornerback Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, offensive lineman Antonio Maffi, an offensive lineman from UCLA, and then Tyreek Stevenson, a quarterback from Miami. So a few names to throw out there. Again, the draft is just right around the corner. So Brandon, I want to throw this to you because out of all of these names that I mentioned, even the ones that, you know, possibly could have gone to Dallas Day, which one sticks out to you the most and why? Because we know the Cowboys love their local ties. This is a trend that we've seen time and time again that they go for these local guys. But which name or names stood out to you the most? Well, the benefit that the Cowboys have, first off, with it being Dallas Day, is that when players are coming from high school and, of course, into college and everything, the product of players coming out of Texas, Florida, you know, sometimes the East Coast, but mostly those two states, and then, of course, California – they have the better athletes, the superior athletes, and then they go to these other bigger schools. So you do have these guys like an Emmanuel Forbes and Antonio, uh, Antonio Maffi, you know, these guys who went to college outside of Texas, but they can come back home because they grew up and they went to high school in Texas within the radius of what Dallas Day is allowed. And another product also to Jackson Smith, the Jigba, who is considered to be the number one wide receiver in the draft. He could have been on this list. We don't know for sure if he came and made the visit, but that's the type of power that being a participant and, and a member of the Cowboys, you can 
drag, you know, players from this big pool of, you know, top 100 picks, you know, not only just the back end of the guys, but, you know, players at the top of the draft that you can take extra time to visit with, you know, unfortunately for a team like Green Bay being in Wisconsin, you're not really having a lot of homegrown talent outside of like the big, you know, corn eater type people you know in uh i i guess well that's more nebraska but you know i was gonna say maybe cheese curds (laughs) yeah there you go that more up their alley right i was thinking more like these farm boys you know grow up and they just eat and they're just like mammoth people outside of you know the people (laughs) in the community of green bay corn is good though we saw that little kid go viral on tiktok with the you know it's corn corn yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and so it's like with with Dallas State, Dallas does have an advantage where they can take from these bigger, you know, more reputable names. So out of the ones you mentioned, the of course, they can pull from a lot of the TCU kids. And because TCU had a lot of success this year, of course, making it to the national championship, those guys are going to be a lot more on the radar. And it's like, why not bring them in, even if you might not draft them or they're going to be uh, drafted way before Dallas picks in the first round or any other round. It's like, still just do your homework. You got to know these guys. So I'll start with, with Max Duggan is of course the name that's thrown around a lot within, you know, Cowboys mock draft nation and all that stuff. So with him, he's six, one and a half, 207 pounds. The thing with him. And I think it's an interesting name is he's not going to be somebody that's drafted in the third round by the Cowboys. It might not even be somebody who's drafted in the fifth round, it might be a sixth or a seventh or even an undrafted free agent. I'm sure because of his pedigree, he might maybe be up a little bit more on draft boards. And I do think that this sort of, I wanted to bring up his name because it's that Brock party effect, you know, a guy who's taken as the last pick, you know, somebody who's at a later round draft pick that people are sort of undervaluing. It, the thing with Max Duggan and comparing him to Brock Purdy is they both have experience at the college level. Max Duggan got, I believe, a few starts, uh, 10 starts possibly as a freshman at TCU and started, you know, between uh, freshman, sophomore sometime at junior. I know he missed, I think, a few games. And then actually coming as a senior this year, he wasn't the starter. But then after week one, when the starter got injured, he took over and, of course, had the Cinderella story, you know, leading the team to the national championship. So, off uh, front offices like to see this type of success where you get a lot of reps. That's why someone like a Kenny Pickett last year was picked in the first round who I know personally, you know, he has that five year experience with the extra COVID year going back and just learning more about his skill set, honing in his skills. So Duggan kind of falls in that he had over 3,500 yards passing 32 touchdowns to eight interceptions. So highly productive. Um, He has great leadership, great toughness. Everybody around the team talks about him. But again, he's going to be more of like a late round project. But the Cowboys would love to bring somebody in who they can kind of develop into a backup. He wouldn't be brought in to beat out somebody like a Cooper Rush. But I think that he kind of compete with snaps, of course, with like a Will Greer. Um, and then if he can develop two years from now when he's on his you know second year or third year into the Cowboys contract, then if he beats out Cooper Rush after he leaves after the two years, then it's like he kind of just slide right in there. So I think that's a name to monitor, especially again, if the Cowboys want to develop a backup. Um, I didn't know if you had any takes on Max Duggan or if you heard anything about him, but he is an intriguing prospect. But again, not somebody who's going to be starting with all these other guys like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud. Oh, yeah. I have heard Max Duggan's name thrown out nonstop. And we are here to just clarify that if the Cowboys do pick up Max Duggan, it is not to replace Dak Prescott. That is something that I think has been thrown out a little too much, which is absolutely ridiculous that we even have to clarify that. Um, But I wanted to go back to your point earlier of talking about these homegrown guys. 
in Texas because Texas high school football, you start these guys at the high school level, is just a whole new level of high school football. I mean, Texas high school football is the standard for high school football. And then you even have the Cowboy Scouts that I'm sure watch these guys from the time that they're in high school and how they have developed since their high school days, even into, you know, their college days. And then, you know, come Dallas day, it is time for them to finally show off and, and do the workouts in front of these scouts and these coaches that they've probably been whispering about for years at this point. So at that point, you get a better advantage to see how these guys grow within that periodic time within, you know, a high schooler, to a college player, to then an NFL player, which I just think is so, so special and so cool. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because the magnitude that even the level of, of football that is played at the high school level is incredible in Texas. And then, um, you know, you throw in the local aspect to it. I, I just think those feel-good coming-home stories and and drafting the local guy is, is always cool. But as for uh, Max Duggan, I think it makes sense. I think um, – I was actually a little surprised to see that Cooper Rush did return to the Cowboys this free agency, so it would have uh, not surprised me either way. But you also know Cooper Rush probably won't stay around uh, forever at that point, and you also know he's not your future franchise quarterback when the time comes that it's no longer Dak because, yeah, Dak still has plenty of years left in him, but if you can get a guy that starts training under Mike McCarthy and if he's the long-term coach like Jerry keeps reiterating and saying, you want a guy that knows the ins and outs of all of this team, that knows the playbook, knows the style, knows how to shadow Dak, knows everything. So that way, when that time comes, there's not really a drop-off. And I kind of actually love that they're doing that now. Um, I Yeah. Of course, they can wait a couple of years or whenever they really want to. But if you have the talent like you have with Max Duggan, do it. Take advantage of it. Make him uh, compete for a bit of a backup situation with Will Greer, like you said. And then, hey, if there comes a time where you need a backup quarterback and then, you know, you never know. Cooper Rush obviously deserves his uh, his keep. He earned his keep and deserved his spot. But I think um, it's it's more of that friendly competition thing that we've always talked about there as well. Well, and it's important also, too, if if he develops and the Eagles also try to do this, too, because Howie Roseman says, I want to create a quarterback factory. And I know we don't like the Eagles on this podcast, but you can look at it and kind of just observe what they do and see if, you know, the, the Eagles present some sort of roadmap to follow and that's what they did with drafting Jalen Hurts in the second round I don't think they had any intention of Jalen Hurts starting and being their franchise quarterback because Carson Wentz was still on the team but they wanted to see Yeah, they've never had a plan for quarterback and then Jalen Hurts kind of fell to them and look how successful that's been well and it's a case where maybe they could have traded him for a second round pick or a first round pick if he developed and showed signs of being a really good quarterback, but then he ends up being the starter. So it's like, of course you want to take a chance on these guys. And even Jerry Jones mentioned, you know, he hopes every year they can try and take a flyer on a quarterback. Cause you, you really just want to throw a dart at the board, see if something sticks. Like when the Cowboys drafted Ben DiNucci, I don't think anybody thought that he would develop into the we nooch. love a nooch. Yeah. Blowing up the we XFL the with the sea dragons. Um, Go nooch. Yes. But, but you have someone like him where, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a starter for you, but he did get one start in the NFL. Um, he, w- Mike McCarthy was very familiar with him with his brother, you know, of course, being his basketball coach. And it's just you take a chance on him, see what develops. He was with the team for three years, and then now he's in the XFL. So it's like it doesn't cost you anything. Um, but in, enough Max Duggan. The other guys I wanted to bring up, 
Um, you mentioned Ali. That's a guy. Uh, he's an offensive lineman. He's more or less like a center. It could be a case where you have Alec Lindstrom, who they had as an undrafted free agent at a Boston college come in. Um, and this could be a, a guy that they just bring in as an undrafted free agent. You know, you still want to do your homework and get these guys reps in the preseason, see if they develop into anything. Hodges Tomlinson is a unique name because he's 5'8", 178 pounds, not somebody that the Cowboys normally bring in because, of course, Dan Quinn likes these tall, longer cornerbacks, so he doesn't fit that mold at all. But you also look at how a few years ago when they drafted Kelvin Joseph, uh, Kelvin Joseph, the, the one thing that fans and, of course, now looking back on it, they make the mistake on is they didn't want to take Asante Samuel at the time, Asante Samuel Jr., and he's turned out to be the better cornerback, and they didn't pick him because I think he, he didn't fit that size model. So you still want to do your homework on these guys, even though they don't fit this sort of size model, just because you don't want to get burned again, where you take somebody just because, you know, they fit what you're looking for. And then you kind of discount the smaller guy. He ends up being the better player. So he could be maybe like a third round, fourth round pick. But the other one I wanted to mention is Quentin Johnston, who out of all the wide receivers in this draft, especially within the first round that's being talked about, he's the biggest of them. You have a lot of guys like a Jordan Addison, a Jackson Smith and Jigba, a Zay Flowers. They're all small, like something that Aisha Morrison, your co-host, talks about. And she's, of course, on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. Everybody talks about how this class is small. You know, there's a lot of wide receivers where, honestly, I talked about this on UK Cowboys, where I would take a tight end at 26 over one of the wide receivers because they're better pure pass catchers, in my opinion. And that's the same for Johnston, where he has a really big upside. And he's uh, about, I think, 6'3", 6'4", or 6'3", 208. The problem with him, though, is he would be a higher player, you know, drafted higher if he showed more as a big-bodied receiver. And you would think for his size that that would be something that he's great at, but he's not really good at contested catches. He's not really good at, you know, fighting off man coverage. Also quick, which usually for a guy that's 6'3", you think they're a little more lumbering. They're not really quick, but in his case, he actually is pretty fast. He's not like a Des Bryant type where he's going to be fighting for the catch, fighting for the ball. And that's what people want him to be. So it's like he could develop into that. But where does he fit on the depth chart? You know, week one of the NFL season, he might be wide receiver four, which, you know, if Brandon Cooks is only here for a year, you know, you get rid of him next year. He could be that number three. But is that somebody that you really want to have at the first round you know, draft pick? And he's not impacting the team right away. So I don't think that's the best case scenario but those are just a few of the guys um and then just really quickly of the guys who potentially could have come from dallas day emmanuel forbes i talked about him he's and i think we talked about him last week with zach he's 6'1 166 pounds he's like rail thin if he was 20 pounds heavier he'd probably be the third cornerback in the draft um he led and i think has the fbs record in pick sixes with six so he's a great guy when it comes to taking the ball away just really rail thin and then the Antonio Mafi, it's a very unique player because he's an offensive lineman, but he started off on the defensive line as a nose tackle at UCLA. So that means he actually got playing time next to Osa Odigizua, who was a Cowboys defensive tackle. So they both know each other very well. So he really is a project. You know, you need to work with him a little bit more. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's an anchor, you know, because he's uh, listed at 6'4", 339 pounds. So he's a big boy. Uh, so at, basically, if you take him in your idea of nose tackle, just put him at left guard. And that's what he would be. He's not super athletic, you know, like a Tyler Smith would be at, at left guard, but he's stout. So very like Ron Leary-esque, where it's like a thick guy that you could have on the offensive line. So he's a guy where if the Cowboys didn't take someone like a Steve Avila in the first round, you could look for him maybe at the second round pick or probably the third round pick would fit him a little bit better. All really good stuff there. And, you know, I want to go back to the wide receiver talk because not only did the Cowboys have Dallas day, but we saw a few reports floating around of, you know, a couple Cowboys better, or excuse me, a couple NFL veteran receivers uh, that did actually visit the Cowboys. So, this is interesting to me because the first one was DJ Montgomery. The second one was Laquan Treadwell. And apparently they both worked out with the Cowboys. So I want to go into a little bit more of a conversation of this entire running back situation. Um, let's talk about who they are if you don't know. So as for DJ Montgomery, this would be his second NFL season. So still very young, still very moldable at this point. Uh, he signed with the Browns as an undrafted free agent back in 2019, had a season-ending hamstring injury during training camp that year, and then he was placed on IR. So then the Jets claimed him off of waivers from 2020 to 2022. He had a little bit of a brief stint with the Colts in 2022, but then most recently he was signed to the Texans practice squad. So uh, he's only played three total games within this time, those being with the Jets. Three, three receptions for 36 yards, no touchdowns, no fumbles. So again, still very young and very moldable. As for Laquan Treadwell, well, this would be his eighth NFL season. He's played for the Vikings from 2016 to 2019, the Falcons in 2020, the Jags in 2021, the Patriots, the Cardinals, and then more recently, the Seahawks, all within the 2022 season. Um, he was never elevated from the practice, practice squad for the Patriots or the Cardinals, but he did play six games with the Seahawks. His career stats are that he's played 76 total games with 110 receptions, uh, racking up a total of 1,226 yards. He averages a little bit more uh, than 16 yards uh, per game or per catch, excuse me, and then has five total touchdowns within his career. So what's interesting to me is that we get this splash of a uh, wide receiver signing with Brandon Cooks, but then they're still working out these quote unquote veteran um, you know, receivers. And I think this is just a very interesting thing for the Cowboys to do because you have a pretty stacked wide receiver room at this point, because there's names that we even forget to mention. So you're going down the list. Of course you have CD lamb, you have now Brandon cooks, you have Michael Gallup, and then you have these names that kind of get lost uh, in the mix. You have Jalen Tolbert, you have semi Fioco, uh, Noah Brown, of course, leaving to the Texans, which um, we'll, we'll get into that in a second, but do you feel like the Cowboys looking for these wide receivers or these veteran wide receivers? Is there a point where that room gets too big 
And then you don't get to utilize these guys because then you even have your practice squad guys. You have a a Dennis Houston who personally I'm buying for, and I eventually want to see him uh, elevated to that 53. But Brandon, do you think there's a point where this room is just going to get a little too stacked? Or do you like that they're still entertaining maybe the idea of signing yet another wide receiver? Yeah, I I think it's an interesting thing like you brought up where they're trying to work out veteran guys. They have you know, a bunch of veteran guys deep on the depth chart. So why would they bring in other players? And I do think it's a lot more of they're just doing their due diligence. Um, Laquan Treadwell is somebody that they like coming out of the draft. He was taken, uh, I believe, in the first round by the Minnesota Vikings at 23rd overall and just hasn't panned out as a first-round pick. A lot of, you know, expectations coming into the league. And clearly, like you mentioned, I mean, he's bounced around a lot since then. And each team has sort of tried to say, okay, well, we can fix him. Like, we can get the most out of him. So I think the Cowboys, it's just, you know, they're next in line. They had interest in him, you know, when he was coming out and and no deal was signed uh, as of yet. I believe even Josina Anderson said that nothing was done um, after he worked out. So I think they're just doing their due diligence to where if something happens in training camp where maybe someone like a Simi Fajoko either gets injured again or Dennis Houston, they just don't really cut it. They can bring a guy in who they have some recent familiarity with and say, hey, you know, do, do you mind coming in, you know, get a few reps? if you can make the practice squad and that's the other thing, like these are veteran guys and with the new practice squad rules, you can carry them throughout the entire season. Like they did at the start with Carlos Watkins and you elevate them, you know, later, uh, I think three elevations they have in totals. I think they're just trying quality depth. We saw the wide receiver room last year. Uh, the minute that Michael Gallup wasn't really turning into what he was pre-injury, Jalen Tolbert didn't really pan out his, his rookie season. They were really handicapped at that position. So if they can do their due diligence now and bring in a few guys that if, again, a Dennis Houston started week one, I think they if they had to do it over again, they'd rather have a veteran like a Laquan Treadwell or somebody that can be that veteran presence um, instead of a rookie kind of stepping in. So I think it's just them doing their homework, uh, bringing guys. And of course, this also ties in, I think, with you have the uh, new rule of where there's just one cut down day, um, you know, before they enter the new season. So I think that if these guys are brought in, it also gives guys like C.D. Lamb, a Michael Gallup, where they don't really need to take any reps in the preseason. If you bring these guys in, they put film out for other teams. And if it looks good, then maybe they get signed somewhere else. And it just keeps you know, the body's fresh of the number one, number two guys on the depth chart. So I think it's, yes, it, it should be a little worrisome for maybe like a semi Fajoko, somebody who hasn't really shown too much and proven to stay healthy. Um, we know Dennis Houston is Dak's guy. So I think, you know, if, if he has a say in it, he'll stick around. I don't think Jalen Tolbert is, is in any hot water water at all. I think the Cowboys know he still has time to develop and needs to develop and take that next step. But I would look more at Dennis Houston and semi Fajoko as guys like, Hey, you know, you really need to take that next step this year. Otherwise you might be looking at being somewhere else. Um, To play devil's advocate to, you know, your point of you bring in a veteran instead of a rookie, these guys are veterans now. So you have your Dennis Houston and your semi Fioco and even your Jalen Tolberts that are, that are working out. They've had a year at this point to develop and be different players already. So if they're in hot water, sure. We already know that the first few weeks of the season, they're just warming up. They're just getting started. You're not going to see their prime until, you know, later on. But at this point, they should already be that veteran, you know, esque receiver, maybe not, you know, Michael Gallup level or CD Lamb level, but you have enough experience at this point where you're no longer a rookie and you've been equated to the playbook and you know the play style. And then now you're working even closer with Mike McCarthy. So 
it'll be interesting to see. But something else I wanted to bring up while we're on the topic of this is, you know, we're going to go over here in just a second, a list of the free agents that are still left um, with the Cowboys and, and who or what we think is going to happen with them. One of the names is T.Y. Hilton, which in the mix of all of this Brandon Cooks news, you kind of forget that T.Y. is still a free agent. Uh, because I think if, you know, that splash signing did not happen, you'd be freaking out a little bit more that T.Y. wasn't re-signed. But my question to you, Brandon, is does T.Y. still fit in this locker room? Do you think at this point it's going to be a priority for the Cowboys, um, you know, at some point? to try to get him back on the roster? Or do you think that's really the last we've seen of him as a Cowboy? It might be a case where if they don't grab a guy in the draft that they like at a certain you know round, if the value is not there, um, they can't find anybody in, as an undrafted free agent that they like. And I'm sure that they will. But I think it's a case where he's just on hold. You know, they have it on speed dial. I mentioned the same thing. You know, if Carlos Watkins was going to be that guy, they might have him hang around until training camp. But clearly some other team wanted the Arizona Cardinals and now he's no longer an option there. But I think it's something similar where if they need him, they they know where to find him. They can just call him. But it might even be a scenario where similar to the Jonathan Hankins deal, we were hearing that quote unquote, he was dragging his feet a little bit and not to say that he didn't want to sign with anybody. I just think a lot of these veteran players, they like taking their time now. They don't want to go through the offseason conditioning and all these things. They want to do it a lot on their own. Um, guys who have been around the league for a very long time, I can speak on behalf of them where I say I don't blame them uh, when when they get to year eight, year nine of doing all this. So I think it's a case where T.Y. Hilton, he came in and he mentioned already uh, with, with his first round with the Cowboys that he liked enjoying his time with his kids, seeing his kids play high school sports and all that. So it might be a scenario where he just, and I, I don't know if it was high school, it might even be younger than that. Um, but it was a case where he enjoyed spending time with his family, didn't want to go through the offseason. Everybody knows who T.Y. Hilton is. And clearly he came in and was a productive player for the Cowboys right off the bat. So it might be a scenario where if, maybe something happens mid season, they call him again um, or they just wait until training camp. And if they really can't find anybody else that separates themselves, they bring them in. And that would make a really good number five type receiver, you know, behind a Jalen Tolbert or kind of competing with that fourth job. And I think it kind of depends on which way the Cowboys want to take this. Do you take it to the, this is my future. I need to invest in my guys now and my younger guys. I need to give them those practice reps and then get them ready to go. Or do you kind of lean on these guys already know what they're doing. We don't really have to show them anything. Really. They just have to learn the playbook um, and, you know, relearn Mike McCarthy's style. However, he's going to uh, be calling the offense. Which route do you take? Or is there like an easy medium to where, you know, you have these veteran guys that are helping these younger wide receivers? Because I think T.Y. was a huge part of that. Uh, when I went into the locker room talking to even uh, Jalen Tolbert for a little while, um, he back back in back in the day, sounds so long ago, in the early season uh, when James Washington was there, he would tell me that, you know, they worked together closely. And then after James was released, he talked about how uh, learning from T.Y. was going to be really cool for him as well. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. I think I don't think it's a top priority. I don't think it's a must do. I think at this point uh, things might just be a little bit quiet and then we see what happens with the draft and then you maybe start to see things addressed more but let's go down this list uh because it once was a laundry list of cowboys free agents and here's who you have left after um you know 
all of the moves and all of the news uh, that has happened since the start of free agency. Uh, you still have wide receiver T.Y. Hilton, which we just talked about, cornerback Anthony Brown, linebacker Anthony Barr, left tackle Jason Peters, long snapper Matt Overton, and then kicker Brett Maher, our guy Money Maher. Um, Brandon, are there any names that stick out to you within that list? And and do you think there's any players that you see come back? Or do you just think they're kind of done with this list and now it's, you know, draft and develop, really look at your guys and then you wait? I mean, in the long term, I'm talking long term past training camp. Is there any names you see on there that you see the Cowboys maybe calling back up? I it's like when I go shopping and I make a grocery list at home, I have it, you know, it's already set. I, it's sort of something I kind of just pick off of from other grocery lists that I've made in the past. And then all of a sudden when I'm at the grocery store, I don't have it. It's at home somewhere. It gets lost. So I think it's similar for the Cowboys where they have this list already. It might just be put under some papers and binders preparing for the draft. And then if they find it at a later date, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Anthony Barr is still out there. I think it's the same thing with them where a lot of these names, it's going to be basically on hold. Uh, They know Anthony Brown, of course, being a draft pick that's been with them since he came to the league. I don't think he's coming back. You know, it seemed like the writing was on the wall the minute they gave their number or his number to Brandon Cooks. Um, and they brought in Stefan Gilmore. And I think, you know, of course, Matt Overton probably won't be on there as well because they signed Trent Sieg as their long snapper and who looks very similar to David Hellman, our own David Hellman. Um, I think out of the two names on this list that I really do think have a higher probability of coming back. And again, it's a very low probability, but 20% is higher than 0%. Uh, I think Anthony Barr is a name. Of course, if they can't find anybody in the draft at linebacker that they don't really like, uh, Jabril Cox doesn't really develop or gets, again, injured like we've seen in the in the past. I think that's a guy that they can just call in. It seems like he's taking his time with figuring out where he wants to go, similar to what happened last year when they brought him in the summer. And then, of course, Jason Peters is always a name that will be circulating because of what happened last year. Clearly, he had a positive impact on Tyler Smith, as we always talk about. And so I think those are really the only two names. Of course, we always wish Brett Maher was a part of that group. I just don't think it's possible. Uh, So I think the two names to monitor, if at all, would be an Anthony Barr and a Jason Peters. Because Jason Peters hasn't announced he's retiring. Neither has Anthony Barr. It seems like maybe they still want to continue. But we'll see. But the fact is that they have familiarity with this team already. It might be a case where they come in late in trading camp, if at all, maybe late in the season. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, I think... Those are the two most intriguing names, but you know, I'm going to go back to this kicker conversation because I will die on this hill until there's a solution that I'm actually really worried about what the Cowboys do for kicker. I know we talk about this nonstop and you guys think we're Brett Maher truthers and we are for good reason, because to me, there's no harm, no foul bringing him back at some point during training camp. Maybe you don't sign him during free agency, Bring him back during training camp, which I don't think is likely, but I think they should. Um, I just, I worry about the kicker situation. A kicker is just such a vital part um, of your game. And so I'm worried about that. As for the names on those lists, on that list, I think what's interesting is Anthony Brown was number three, who, you know, just lost his number during this free agency (laughs) so i don't know if that's writing on the wall i don't really i've never seen something like that i guess maybe i haven't paid actual attention enough in seasons past to realize that that might happen often but to me it was interesting that you're giving a you know he's a free agent but you're giving anthony brown's number away 
and he's still a free agent. I guess that's kind of telling what they're doing there uh, with that. So I thought that was a little interesting point. But to your point about Jason Peters, if you can bring him back and he wants to play as that swing again, do it. If you can get him for a cheap price, it makes sense. It's affordable. Do it. I'm all for it because look at the, you know, and and I'm not discrediting the Cowboys coaches for what they did for Tyler Smith, but look at what him being around and his presence did for Tyler Smith over the season, especially if you're going to draft another O-line guy. Oh, man. Like, Jason Peters, please come on back. And, you know, I, I know you said this in a podcast episode a long time ago, but if he wanted to come back and coach, that would be amazing. Somehow, some way, somewhere, that would be great because just seeing what he was able to do with Tyler Smith this season should be enough to put on the top of his resume if he ever wants to do that. But, yeah, Jason Peters is up there in age. He's done his he's done his deed. He's put in his time. So if he wants to call it a career, I think what a high note for him uh, to end it on. You know, I just wanted to circle back to that list because there was a point in time, guys, where we were reading off that list worried of what was going to happen. And we almost got, we did, we got everything we wanted off of this Cowboys free agency so far to where you're kind of sitting back just waiting for this draft in not a panic mode. And I can't remember the last time that we felt like this going into the draft. So Brandon, what do you think your biggest takeaway is so far of Cowboys, the Cowboys free agency and how the front office is treating it, even though they're insistent that they always entertain trade deals and that they're always looking into these players. Do you see a difference overall in how the front office is treating things going into the season? And why do you think they're treating it that way? This is a terrible analogy, uh, but it's a personal one. So I could say it and get away with it. Uh, with you mentioned, you mentioned we almost got everything on our list. It reminds me of the first Christmas after my parents got divorced. Like it's almost like you can use them to your advantage. Oh my gosh. But again, I'm talking like about they get along now. It's totally fine. But uh, you have a scenario where you know that it's in in your favor and you can bring back your bring back you can get almost every christmas uh you know item on your list whatever you want for christmas and that's what we did i got almost everything i wanted for christmas that year and that's similar to the cowboys connecting it back to them this free agent market like we've talked about this free agency period nobody was resetting the market it was a lot of bargain bin deals across the league and the cowboys looked at that and they said well this fits into exactly what we do every single year so they were getting good players back on good deals because that was just the nature of the free agent market, similar to my parents' divorce. Uh, you know, so I just think that with them, they played everything perfect. They are laid out perfectly to address whatever they want to in the draft at any round. I've mentioned this before. I think that they could pick anybody outside of a kicker and a quarterback uh, for their first round pick. And I wouldn't argue with it whatsoever. Cause I think even if they're players that I don't really like that are more second round, third round guys that are picked at number 26, I trust the Cowboys wholeheartedly with their development process and picking and finding good guys and the free agency class, similar to the draft. The draft isn't really an ex explosive draft this year. There's a lot of guys who are at the top end, maybe like within the first 12 picks, 12 guys who are really surefire first round picks. But outside of that, it's a lot of projection. It's a lot of guys who have warts that you try and find value in. And it's sort of like the best of the worst. Did you but say I, warts or worth warts? Like a, a wart, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I don't. Never I've never heard you say that. I've never yeah. heard you say that. Yeah. It, it's just. It's like I'm trying to be more of a scout. Uh, it's wow. Like you get. Oh my like, goodness. Yeah. Warts and stuff. Things that. That, that took me off like. guard. I'm not gonna lie. 
Yeah. I hope everybody tweets you warts. Like, not <laughs> pictures, just the, the word warts over yeah, and over. Hash, over hashtag and over. warts. Uh, Please go tweet Brandon hashtag warts because I just <laughs> would love that. But that that's that's where I feel. That's where I'm at right now is that the Cowboys did everything they needed to do and more with trading for Brandon Cook, Stephon Gilmore, where, again, I think the Cowboys had an A-plus offseason. And depending on what they do in the draft, I think you can honestly say that the Cowboys have been the best team with across the NFL um, addressing their offseason needs and going into training camp. So we'll see how that kind of falls out within the next few weeks, kind of getting up to the draft. But I think the Cowboys have just set themselves up for perfection and really to not fail um, when it comes to the draft. I, I think that, you know, they could pick all kickers and running backs and I'd be like, yeah, you know what? Maybe, you know, I, they could justify <laughs> it for me. Yeah. Well, you know what? At this point, a kicker doesn't sound too bad to me uh, because the Cowboys need a kicker. Again, they're not perfect. There's still some things that need to be addressed, but overall, I think how the front office has handled this off season being, you know, whether they want to admit it or not being more aggressive to make these trades happen, you know, it's just been interesting to me. And I talked about this, I think on girls talk, boys talk of how intriguing it could be for these players to come even play in Dallas, seeing what they've been doing, not just for one season, for two seasons straight of they, they keep a level of excellence and then they are building upon it come the start of next season. And that's hard to keep. That's very hard to upkeep. So, um, you know, especially for the defense working under Dan Quinn, your offense now working under Mike McCarthy and then Brian Schottenheimer, it's intriguing. I think it's just such an intriguing team that everybody is waiting for that big break for. At some point, something has to give, and the Cowboys have to get past that barrier. And to me personally, it, it seems as if those guys are intrigued to be part of that team that breaks past that barrier because it's just such a hype of how stuck the Cowboys have been as we know and as we hear about from the older Cowboys fans, and we love you older Cowboys fans, but we know we can't imagine what it was like losing Emmett. And, you know, you've been through it, waiting through this drought since the last Super Bowl. We get it. Uh, we also were not born yet, but we get it. I, I think for these guys coming in, how awesome would that be to come in and say, hey, I was a part of that team that broke that streak. So I think Dallas is just intriguing overall for any football player. You you listen to any of these players come to Dallas and they say, yeah, I've always wanted to play for the Cowboys. It's not very often that you hear guys say that that much. And I don't think, you know, the magnitude of playing for the Cowboys really is understood by the fan base of how much these players want to be in Dallas because it is the Dallas Cowboys. And you hear it interview after interview to where you think that's normal, but you go and you listen to other interviews for other teams. You don't hear guys say that as often as you do for the Cowboys. So it's just intriguing overall is, is the point I'm trying to make here, but you know, Brandon, it has been a day. Let's go ahead and cut this podcast a little short because again, there's not much to talk about and we do not want to bore you guys and keep stumbling on words and, you know, just have you in a funk as well because I'm in my post Taylor Swift uh, era's tour funk. Brandon's in his uh, my internet's still giving me a hard time era. So we are just working through this. We're all in this together. If you're having a weird week, so are we. Uh, don't worry about it. But real quick, Brandon, if the people want to go tweet you hashtag wart, where can they go? 
It's going to be at Brandon is right. And that's W R I T E. Of course, you know, getting ready for the draft, a lot more draft content coming out. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. And you know what, if, if Taylor Swift came into AT&T stadium and gave good juju, good vibes for three straight days, that this is finally the year that the Cowboys have that Super Bowl run. It was all worth it. Everybody and all the money that was spent this past weekend, all the hours that you put into, you know, the concert, the experience, it was all worth it because in the end, you get the Super Bowl. So you're telling me that Taylor Swift could be a good luck charm, essentially, that kicks off yeah. this next Cowboys season. So that means if the Cowboys move on past their little block that they've been in for the past 25 years, going on 26, and the Cowboys go to the Super Bowl, I'm giving Taylor Swift some credit. Absolutely. You I think she's going to be in the parade. Credit. You know, I think that would, we need to do that. Oh, man, we do. You're so correct. Now, see, this is why Brandon and I cannot get off topic. This is the kind of stuff uh, we talk about. But I am going back to my regularly scheduled Cowboys tweets at Jessavars underscore on Twitter. I will not be tweeting as much Taylor Swift stuff now that my concerts, concerts, multiple, uh, sadly are over and done with for now. But if I decide to go to another show, no guarantees. And no guarantees that the lyrics stop. That's just it's become part of my personality at this point. So you love me, you hate me. I'm a Swifty and I'm proud, but Brandon, as always, thank you for putting up with my nonsense, my stumbling of words, my Taylor Swift fandom and all the things in between the best co-host. Um, we hope you guys have an amazing week, a better day than we are having apparently. And you go crush your goals. You go be amazing. And of course we're going to be here next week. Uh, hopefully we will have a lot more to cover not no matter what we're going to give you some good draft coverage we're getting you as much insight as we can until then have an amazing week and we will talk to you soon 